0: Hey, I'm Josh Smith and welcome to Rain. And I'm so glad you're here, babes. This podcast is all about opening up, having important conversations, and celebrating successes, as well as overcoming obstacles to reign over our own lives. I love to chat to people and I always find things in these conversations to take away and use in my own life. So I really hope you'll find the same as well. Welcome to Rain. It's a real honour to be joined today by the activist and actress Nazanin Bonyardi, as this episode is dedicated to the brave women currently fighting for their rights in Iran, Nazanin's homeland. Following the death of 22 year old Masa Amini, while she was detained by the morality police in Iran for allegedly not wearing her hijab correctly, peaceful protests erupted with women symbolically cutting their hair and burning headscarves on the streets, many of them schoolchildren and young people. A month on from the boldest challenge, the Islamic Republic, since its establishment in 1979, it's estimated that 222 people have been killed in the widespread demonstrations. With the internet cut off in Iran, it's important that we make sure the voices of the brave protesters are heard. And as an ambassador for Amnesty International, Nazanin is doing exactly that in this episode. Today, Nazanin talks about the stories she is hearing from Iran how we can all be allies to the Iranian people right now and how her character, Bronwyn, in Amazon Prime's TV show, The Lord of the Rings, the rings of power, is a symbol of the strength of Iranian women. I hope you're just as inspired by Nazanin as I was. And if you want to know more about how you can help, I put some info from Nazanin in the show notes. Well, hello Nazanin how are you? I'm well, Josh, how are you
1: doing?
0: I'm so good and it's so, amazing to talk to you today because I've actually spent the whole day watching so many incredibly powerful interviews you've done, your dress that you did to the United Nations Mm -hmm. Summit, like you are the definition of someone who uses their platform to help so many people and it's such an important time to be using that platform with what is going on in Iran. How are you feeling about what's happening right now in Iran?
1: Oh, gosh! Well, thank you for the lovely words, Josh. I am. Um, I feel it's really odd because I feel equally exhilarated by what I'm seeing, meaning inspired, hopeful, um, empowered by the courage of these women and particularly the young girls who are fighting against oppression and tyranny. But I am outraged and angry and devastated that it's taken this degree of loss of life for the world to pay attention Um, I've been doing this for 14 years now I've been a democracy activist freedom activist, human rights activist for my homeland, Iran and it's been like pulling teeth having people Mm. pay attention this is the day we didn't want to happen we didn't want people to get slaughtered on the streets Um, young kids, teenagers being killed on the streets Um, and this is happening now. But if they are brave enough to risk their lives, then we have to stand up with them. We have to rise up and let this be what I think it's turning into, which is the first female-led revolution of our time.
0: Mm. And the bravery of the women who are rising up against this level of oppression is so extraordinary. And especially when you consider Mm. that some of them are like the average age of those who are being arrested is 15 years old. Like to have that level of bravery at 15 is staggering, isn't it?
1: It's shocking. And, you know, kids as young as 12 are being arrested and taken to psychological centres to be reprogrammed um, so that they're not antisocial turning into the quote-unquote antisocial personalities in society which basically means that they're being conditioned or reconditioned to to wear a headscarf the the the, um, compulsory headscarf and why that's important and and that their behavior is against the system and they should stop doing that this is mind control it's it's awful it's t- tyrannical i mean it's stuff that you read about it's handmaid's tale it's not mm. it shouldn't be happening in any country um so and yet these girls are still doing it these school girls i'm in awe of them i can't even imagine being that young um and the and university students and now it's you know become people talk about the women but brave young men mm. um a 16 year old boy just got killed too this is men are standing shoulder to shoulder with the women and i think that's what's really scaring the regime because they've spent 43 years segregating and oppressing women separating them from men women have to sit at the back of the bus women are banned from sports arenas women are segregated from men at the, in the workplace in the classroom at beaches um They are seen as half the value of a man in a court of law. That's what women are fighting against. But imagine now men standing shoulder to shoulder with these women and saying, no, no, leave our sisters, our daughters, our mothers alone. That's the power that people have right now. And they are taking over the streets of Iran. It's really, really powerful to see.
0: Mm. Do you think that these women are really pushing through fear now, that fear has been eradicated for them to be going and using their voices and physically, you know, burning headscarves on the streets, dancing in the streets, like literally fighting for their lives. Like they have so pushed through any boundary of fear, haven't they?
1: Yeah, that's a really, really good question, Josh. Actually a really um, celebrated actress inside Iran Katayoun Riahi, um, did a, shortly after Massa Amini, 22-year-old Massa Amini was killed, which is what sparked all these protests, mm. um, she gave an interview without her compulsory headscarf. She lives in Iran, and she gave an interview to an outside um, uh, TV station based in London without her headscarf, and she said, people aren't afraid anymore, um, because people aren't afraid of prison anymore, because Iran itself has become a prison, and I just thought that's exactly what's happening this new generation that has been indoctrinated to believe and conditioned to believe that america's the devil the uk's the devil, the mm. west is the devil are pointing their fingers squarely at their own government um because they see right through it and they they realize that it's their oppression their own government that's the issue and they don't have anything left to lose they, they're just fighting with everything they have which is why i think we need to stand by them
0: And I think as well, it's key that the international community stands up for the women of Iran right now, use their voices to help raise their voices. What do you think we can do as an international community to be better allies to the women of Iran and the people who are oppressed in Iran?
1: I think the key is solidarity, amplifying the messages of of all the activists. There's so many of us um, who are trying to get the word out and to to follow those accounts on social media people don't understand the power of a hashtag but you know we're at well over 150 million hashtags of massa amini's name that is an amplification that matters because it makes people pay attention so there's that aspect of it there's amplifying the message there's there's following there's educating yourself and then on top of that when you're outraged and you see these images, because it is, it's is—it's secondhand trauma when you're bombarded with these mm. images day in, day out. But my goodness, I hope it sparks something in us to pick up that phone and take five minutes of our day to call our representatives, wherever we may be, our Ministry of Foreign Affairs, our, our local representatives and say, we don't want you to stand with the regime in iran we want you to stand with the people and find a way to do that please we we stand we as americans as brits as um as anywhere if you're in france if you're in germany if if you're in any democratic country please pick up your phones and make a call to your local representative to your government officials and say find a way to create a mechanism to support Investigation of the Iranian regime for their human rights atrocities and hold them accountable on an international, united level. We did that with Putin, didn't we, in Ukraine? Mm. We all came together and said, No, enough, Putin, you can't do this anymore. Why can't we do the same for the Iranian people? Um, And sign the petitions. Amnesty International has. Since 2019 and the last uh, very bloody uprising where they cracked down on the people and killed over 1,500 people, um, protesters, Amnesty started a a campaign for this exact thing of, of please, let's start an international, independent, investigative mechanism to hold the Iranian government to account for their human rights atrocities. And that's now a petition. It's a petition that we can sign. And the more people who sign that petition, the more government officials, the UN, everyone will pay attention. So please don't think that these things don't matter. Raise your voices on social media, sign the petitions, call your representatives and stand stand with the people.
0: And give them a voice because we're hearing so many stories about the internet being shut down, WhatsApp being curtailed, so much surveillance across how people are using our voices on social media as well. What kind of stories are you hearing, personally, from people in, inside Iran right now? What are they telling you about what their experience is like right now?
1: It's harrowing, Josh. It's it's. Um, I get messages, voice notes, and and uh, text and email messages. You're right. Internet access has been. Um, Uh, you know crushed in Iran it's you know they're really trying this this happens all the time with autocracies and dictatorships Mm. we saw it in Belarus for example after uprisings they shut off the internet so that people can't organize and also they can't get their messages out to the wider world and they can't get any information from the outside world either so it's sort of like another way of imprisoning the people censoring the people um and but, but luckily, there are ways around it. We, there are VPNs that, for example, um, Outline VPN by Google is a great example where people in America can sign up or, or the UK or Europe, anywhere you are, um, you can sign up for six, I think it's $6. I don't know what it is in pounds, excuse me, because I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here in New York right now, um, but it's $6 a month. Um, and for, for us to sign up and then we can share that VPN with people inside Iran. They need trusted VPNs to get around the sense that internet censorship. Um, and, but, but with the channels that I have right now, I'm getting anywhere between 60 to 200 messages a day from people inside Iran. Um, and what they're saying is, please don't stop. That's essentially the bottom line. Please don't stop amplifying our voices. They're killing us over here. Um, please rise up with us. Please stop, don't stop paying attention. Um, you know, please know that our lives our lives are important too, that we're so used, we're so numb to, to loss of life in the Middle East. We're so like, well, that's that's what happens over there. We're so accustomed to it. And we need to stop being so desensitized Um, because these people are risking their lives. And imagine if Iran achieves democracy. Imagine what that does for the region. Imagine what that does for the world. And if this this moment, I think they will be victorious, Josh. I I truly believe that. That's what they're telling me. We're going to win this fight. And we're going to go down in history as an example of how to do this. The question is, do we, the international community, want to look back and say, we helped them to do that? Or do we Mm. want to say they did that all by themselves and we had nothing to do with it? Um, And Mm. the truth is, I would sleep better at night knowing that I did all I can from outside Iran to empower those people who are fighting for their rights.
0: I think what's so interesting about the way that certain people and communities rally for certain other communities internationally, there's always seems to be a slight prejudice around certain communities standing up for other communities as well. Have you found that in your work that you've been doing for so long?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, our politics, our ideologies, our religion, whatever it is, inform who we should help, who we shouldn't help. And this has been such a roadblock for me. I have tried to unify left and right, all ethnicities, Um, But I'll tell you this, Josh, in Iran, we have Kurds, Turks, Arabs, uh, various ethnicities. And I've never seen the Iranian people and the Iranian diaspora more united. And that gives me such hope that we can Mm. actually translate that into uniting the rest of the world. Nobody in Iran is saying, um, you know, a lot of Kurds are being slaughtered on the streets. But you don't hear the majority of Kurds saying, you know, it, this is about the Kurds. They're all uniting, united under the Iranian umbrella for freedom. And that, I think, is super powerful. What an example for us to set aside our differences. We need cross-party, bipartisan, whatever you want to call it, support on this. Please, I'm begging people not to let their politics or ideologies determine what they do for the people of Iran. Um because human rights are human rights and we should um. all, this is something we should all agree on. It's black and white, there are no shades of gray. And if we stood up, if you remember, you're t- probably too young to remember this, but apartheid South Africa and Nelson Mandela and everybody who, who I, I just, you know, your viewers are probably very young and, and don't remember that maybe they can just take a look at what happened in apartheid South Africa. And I would just encourage everyone That, you know, group of artists who stood up back then and created, um, you know, Artists for a Free South Africa, and the message they got out, it was so powerful to stand with Nelson Mandela and to stand with the people of South Africa who are anti-apartheid. And what we're seeing right now in Iran is gender apartheid. So we've seen what racial apartheid looks like. This is gender apartheid. And so let's end it together you know, just like we did with, with uh, Apartheid in, in South
0: Africa. If you could address the brave women who are standing up and, and using their voices, in part for the first time ever, some of them probably, what message would you want to give to the women of Iran right now?
1: I am in awe of you. I stand by you. I will never stop. Um, And I get emotional thinking about it, but I... I just want them to know we care. We won't stop fighting. Um, this is um, 14 years for me, but m- many, many more years for a lot of brilliant activists who've, who've, who have who who i have learned from. Um, and many of those activists, I'm talking about, are in prison, are languishing in prison inside Iran today. Nagas Mohammadineh, Nastin Sutudeh, um, and Fatemeh Pehri and um, uh, Soheila hijab and anti-compulsory hijab activists, young women like uh, Sabah and Yasaman and Munire and others who who are serving up to double double-digit years in prison for passing out roses to to women who were wearing the hijab and saying, "I don't want to wear a hijab. Can I please? Can you please accept me for what I my my form of self-expression?" Can we have the freedom to choose, to stand next to each other as women who wear a hijab and who don't wear a hijab? And I and I just want them to know that they are not forgotten.
0: That's so special, that message. And I think through the work you're doing, hopefully that message is getting through to them. And it's so incredible what they're doing. And I think that as an international community, we always have to stand up for a w- women's right to choose. And we're seeing that Being eroded in America right now with the rolling back of abortion laws. Then you've got to look at what's happening in Poland, for instance, for LGBTQIA individuals. They're having their rights rolled back. We really need to stand up and make sure we're protecting everyone's rights at all times, don't we?
1: Absolutely. And you brought up a really great point. You know, we talk about compulsory hijab. And a lot of people are thinking that this is an uprising against compulsory hijab in Iran, but it's so much more than that. That's just a Mm. symbol of the oppression that women are facing. But LGBTQ plus community in Iran is constantly under threat of being executed for simply being gay, for simply being um, anything other than what the government deems to be acceptable. And... On top of that, they're fighting. Iranians are actually fighting against the fact that they don't have fair trials. There's no due process. People get tortured. There's killings outside of the judicial system, extrajudicial killings, as you're seeing on the streets. They're fighting the fact that they don't have clean air to breathe. They don't have clean water. There are massive environmental problems because of government corruption. The funding of terrorism. People in Iran are tired of their government funding terrorism instead of putting that money into building, rebuilding their own country and giving their their citizens a better life. All of this boils down to exactly what they're chanting on the streets. What started as the chants were woman, life, freedom, which by the way, strikes at the core of the Islamic Republic because this is a regime that is anti-woman, it's pro-martyrdom, and it's repressive. So that, that slogan alone, woman, life, freedom, is in, it's in opposition to this regime. But that quickly turned into death to the Islamic Republic, death to the dictator. This uprising is very much an uprising to get rid of the theocracy of the current system, which is against the LGBTQ community, against women, um, and oppresses and so, so many oppressive forces. Um, and, and so it's really bigger than anything, any one thing,
0: Mm. and we really 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 can never just sleep on our human rights can we we learn that all the time like there's reminders of that constantly isn't there and even if we achieve certain human rights and certain rights that we didn't have before and we achieve them you've got to keep protecting them because sadly in this world it seems that in a cycle they can be eroded again
1: absolutely absolutely we've seen them taken away from us here in the west we 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 know that it's fragile and somebody told me the other day josh that that's maybe that's why Massa amini's plight has struck a chord in all of us because if you have stood with if you're an environmentalist if you're if you fought with the blm movement if you're if you're an advocate for the lgbtq community if you are a women's rights activist if you're a human rights activist if you're a human being this mm. resonates with everyone wherever you are in the world Um, and and it speaks to exactly what you just talked about which is how fragile our rights are and if we're not vigilant if we don't constantly fight for our rights they can be taken away from us and if we don't care about Massa Amini way over there in the Middle East in Iran Mm. that injustice can land on our own doorstep And, and Martin Luther King said it best "An injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere but we we don't really think about that, do we, of, of what that mm. means until something like this happens, until our own rights in the West are taken away from us. But my goodness, I, I also want to say how inspired I am by, by the outpouring of love, um, by people like you who are giving activists a platform to speak up. Um, and and the countless uh, you know, celebrities that I'm seeing worldwide, global celebrities, Um, and and political leaders who have stood in solidarity with the Iranian people. I think now we just have to turn that sort of vocalisation into action. And and Mm. what does that mean? How can we actually support the people and not just say that we support the people?
0: It's about true activism, isn't it? And not just activism of words, it's activism of action. And we all really need to... that a bit more because I think we can be very guilty in this society today to you know post something on social media and then then just forget about it and then just move on but we really do need to especially in this situation not just you know using our words is a powerful thing to do but it's like you were saying earlier it's about actually actioning key points calling people up making sure you're petitioning where you can and and protesting in a safe way as well
1: yes yeah, absolutely, um, and and the protests. I was I was a part of a couple of them um, in in Los Angeles and Orange County in California, and so empowering to see the number of. I think 20, Los Angeles had twenty thousand people come out um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I think uh, Toronto had fifty thousand. This is a huge global movement, um, and I think there's one coming up in Berlin that's going to be pretty huge, and. I just want it to keep going. I think all of us, all we can do is hope that that people's attention don't shift doesn't shift away from, from the Iranian people and what could truly change the course of the world. I think it what's, what it's done is it's shifted the paradigm for all of us that women women are leading the way. This is this is a huge shift for any movement, especially in an oppressive state where women are are second, third class citizens. Um, and what that could mean for our sisters in Afghanistan and what that could Mm. mean for for the global community. I think it could set a really great example. Um, And I want all of us to be a part of that. I want want us to all collectively, globally say that we stood with the Iranian people and we made that happen and collectively, we didn't turn away.
0: Mm. And this is all coming as well at a very special time in your career with the Lord of the Rings, Amazon Prime series out at the moment. And you very powerfully dedicated your character in it to the brave women of your homeland. And I think that's such a powerful message about representation and changing the dial of representation. How special is it for you to be in that show and stand tall and proud as an Iranian woman?
1: Gosh, it's... It's such an incredible moment. I don't know. Um, I, what's What's odd and surreal is that I dedicated the role to the women of Iran two months before Massa Amini's death. Um, it, it It wasn't an empty gesture. It was It was, you know, as an activist who's been doing this for fourteen years. When I got this role, essentially, when I got it, like three years ago, I got this role, and I just remember reading reading the the material and thinking my goodness she's tenacious and she's she becomes a leader of her people and she tries to liberate them from the shackles of their past so much of it resonates with what everything that an activist is um and and trying to overcome the forces of darkness um and she's filled with hope and so when i made that dedication it was at comic-con in san diego in july of this year um, again, like I said, two months before Mas Amini was killed, I had no idea that two months later that, that dedication would mean anything to anyone, um, um. or even in that moment. But, um, it's almost like this, th- these two parts of, of life and art, art and life imitating each other in a moment that has allowed me, thankfully, to use this platform to be a, to, to amplify or do my activism more effectively, which in, in and of itself is, is, is something that can be very, very helpful. So I'm very grateful to the platform that I have as an actor, um, particularly on this show and what this role means, which basically is an empowered uh, woman, uh, a freedom-loving woman um, and who has no superpowers, by the way, her superpower is love. Her superpower mm. is hope. And and that how that resonates with the incredibly resilient women of Iran. So um, I I love that in this show. This show is 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 of course diverse and beautiful. And I think the great thing about fantasy is it belongs to all of us, doesn't it? It's it's Mm. it's about it's about inspiring and and it's based on the most basic human dilemmas, love, uh, good versus evil, hope versus despair, something we can all relate to. So that makes it timeless and universal. And I I'm just really, really honoured to be a part of this extraordinary cast.
0: Mm. And it is an extraordinary cast. And it's so wonderfully diverse in so many different ways. But then sadly, you do get the negative, horrible, racist backlash that happened towards the show mm-hmm. as well. When you heard that, how yeah. did you feel and how did you react to that very horrible reaction?
1: I mean, it's, it's devastating to see some of the language used. Um, on the other hand, I will say the vast majority of fans, are very supportive of the show, very mm-hmm. supportive of the cast, and um, you know I don't think we should. You know it's a it, it's a minority of very hateful, vengeful people who who feel the need to to express themselves in this way. But if you look at the like when we showed up at Comic Con, for example, in San Diego, sixty five hundred people. We're very excited to be there and very supportive. And that's the first time that we felt, you know, it's human nature, isn't it, to focus in on on the negative what this one person said over here as opposed to um. the thousands of people who are who are saying wonderful things. um and you know, I think this is this is always going to be criticism is always welcome. I think we should always try to. Uh, welcome dialogue and, and say like how can we be better as people as a show as you know but when it starts getting personal there's absolutely no need for that there's absolutely mm. no need and I stand with my my cast um, we put out a statement um, collectively for this reason um, and you know I, I just think it's 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 2022 and people I hope would educate themselves to move on from that the great thing about the diverse cast is this is a fellowship And fellowships Mm. are made up in this show of elves and dwarves and and all these kinds of mythical creatures um, who are very different races and creeds and cultures. And what better way to put that on screen than a group of people who are not exactly the same.
0: And I think people should focus on the amazing messages of the show. And your character is a real symbol of courage and bravery and standing up for what you believe in when do you think you've dug the deepest in your own life to find your bravery and to be brave? Oh gosh.
1: Um, I mean, it's been a couple of times in my life where I felt like I have just needed to speak my truth, no matter the consequences. Um, and you know, uh, well while well, those moments are very, very personal to me, I you know, in those moments you feel you may feel outnumbered, you may feel silenced, you may feel voiceless. But I genuinely believe that those two moments in my life where I felt the most pain in feeling silenced or um, oppressed or um, misrepresented, or whatever it may be, when you hang on to your truth and you have and your dignity it's really powerful and i think it you know i i i think there's this quote the arc of the moral universe is long but it bends towards justice and i always hang on to that because i feel like sometimes we feel like there's so much injustice coming at us this isn't fair mm. why am i being treated this way why is this happening to me or how much more can I endure? But if you just look and in your own silence, I mean, I meditate a lot and I I, I try to reflect on what how I can be better. Um, but I think the key for me is to hang on to my truth and be as honest with myself and with others as I possibly can. And I think that's the ultimate act of bravery is that's what to the 10th degree, what you're seeing on the streets of Iran is people who are just not willing to lie, that they have to tell their truth. And the truth is that they're sick and tired of how they're being treated. Um, and I think that lack of that, when you lose the fear of losing your job, when you lose the fear of losing your income or your, your security or your safety or your freedom, because you feel like... This is more important to me. Your dignity is more important to you. That's the ultimate act of bravery. Um, mm. and, and I'm not there yet. I don't. I, I wish I could claim that I was as brave as these incredible women in the streets of Iran. I'm not, but I'm working every day towards being that brave. I'm in awe of them. Um, but yeah, I think those moments where I feel most empowered and brave are when I'm hanging on to my truth.
0: Mm that's so special and like holding on to your inner strength and finding your inner strength can be one of the most transformative moments of your life and annoyingly it happens at the times when they tend to be a bit more negative but finding that inner strength and having those moments where you are tested and your mentality is tested Mm -hmm. ultimately in the long run it has the greatest effect on you doesn't it it
1: really does it is transformative um and I, I think I, I've done that. There's been a couple of times in my life where I've I felt like I've lost in the short term, but I've gained so much more in the long term. Um, and that's just a matter of personal integrity and dignity and what 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 that means to you, um, standing by your principles or going with the flow for some some perceived benefit, which I, that's never been my, you know, um, that's just never been my ethos. It's never been who I am to um, sort of stay quiet and play nice in order to get a job or or more fame or more money or whatever that is, because that is fleeting. And as quickly as as that's given to you, it will be taken away if you don't have integrity.
0: And people have, I mean, that comes across so amazingly and hearing you speak and seeing you on screen and I think everyone's fallen a little bit in love with you on Lord of the Rings as well and I think everyone is already desperate for the second season to come even (laughs) though we're literally just at the finale as well but what are your (laughs) if you could shape Middle Earth for the second season what would you want to see happen what what juice do you want to (laughs) see
1: I want to see Audrey Hep- Hepburn be brought back to life and play an elf. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, out of all the things. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm t- I'll tell you why. The reason is A, I'm obsessed with Audrey Hepburn and B, I just, I, just I, I don't know why. I just think she's so ethereal and gorgeous. Anyway, but that aside, that's just like a, a pipe dream. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I'm obsessed. Um no but outside of that I there's so much I'm obsessed with The half Um I'm absolutely obsessed with The Stranger I think Dan, Dan Wayman and Markella Kavanagh are two of the most magical humans off screen as well so it helps um but but their characters my goodness I'm that that level of like heart and empathy and um and just like there's something how difficult it is for Dan Wayman who plays the stranger who has literally no dialogue all season um to emote with his eyes and to to, to show us how he feels without saying a word I think that's magical and I just I've, I'm really intrigued by that storyline and how and the thing is that you don't know and most people don't know Josh is we are oblivious as to what happens next like we're we're often not told what's happening in this next episode, uh, or you know, two, three episodes down the line. So, and I deliberately didn't read a lot, a lot of the other storylines. So I'm discovering a lot of what happens with the other storylines that I'm not at all connected to, um, as as we're watching the season unfold. So, um, I think that is is really, really um, that that foot world is really. I, I'm so intrigued, especially by that stranger role. And how that plays out with um, Nori, the character Nori.
0: Well, hopefully the writers are gonna listen to this podcast and they'll hear your ideas and maybe they can even get a hologram version of Audrey Hepburn in, just for the just for the hoop. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> that's just that's just in my head. I'm I'm gonna keep dreaming. But um, you know, I'm also very I'm rooting, of course. I'm rooting, of course, for for Theo um, Bronwyn's son Theo, played by my my lovely Tyrone Matherdin and Ismail Cruz Cordova, who is himself a ch- huge champion of diversity, and I applaud him so much for the work he's doing. Um, and and all of our all of our storylines and how I love that Bronwyn became a uh, sort of a default leader at the end of season one. I'm so intrigued to see how that unfolds in season two. I, I just I, I, I just love. I love everything about the show and I, I I just hope that people do too.
0: They definitely do. And before you run off to go give those notes to the script writers, we always end on this question and that <laughs> always is. In the reign of your life, what's the one rule you'll always live by?
1: Compromise on everything but your integrity.
0: I feel like that sums up everything that we've talked about today. And it's been so special talking to you. You're such an amazing voice. And just thank you for the work you're doing right now. And you've been doing for over a decade. It's so incredible. And just thank you, really.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Josh. We couldn't do this without you, honestly. It's um, it's people like you who help Amplify that, that gets this message out. So I'm very, very grateful. Thanks, Josh.
0: thank you so much for joining me for another amazing episode of rain i really hope you found something to take away from this episode and if you have let me know you can always get me on socials at josh smith hosts i love to hear from you and as always if you've enjoyed this episode please like rate subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast from and more importantly please share this with someone you think needs to hear it let's get those convos going and i'll see you next time